In the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God, and all things were made through Him. And without Him, not a thing was made that has been made. In Him was life. And the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but by God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we've seen his glory. Glory as of the only Son from the Father, full of grace and truth. Through Advent season, we've uh, been lighting this wreath. Uh, each candle speaks of peace, hope, Joy, love, all comes from Christ. The light um, that comes into the world. As a, as a young father, I can't help but be struck by the birth narratives as birth narratives, you know what I mean? Like she gives birth in a stable. And I have a birth story too, my son's birth story, which is, uh, was quite an experience, if you ask my wife. It was really quick, and it was pretty crazy. By the time we got into our room, things were sort of happening quickly. Suddenly, it was just us, and there was about eight people in the room. I don't know how it happened. And then this baby was coming out, and it was like, okay, here we go, this is happening. And now he came. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get another birth story in April when our second child comes, which is really exciting. But giving birth, uh, as many of you who are mothers would know, is not necessarily a peaceful uh, or pleasurable thing. Can we say that? After all, it's a bit violent, isn't it? A bit violent, a little messy, perhaps? A little painful? Maybe not a little. Frightening? And yet in the aftermath of all of this, there's this newborn baby uh, wrapped up. I remember when Rowan was wrapped up and put in Sarah's arms and she was wrapped up. Uh, we, the nurse joked that she looked like Mother Mary. She kind of had this thing right over her head and she was just sort of, everyone was all wrapped up. There he was. And all of the, all of the pain of the last few hours and all of the months of preparation and all the uncertainty of that day with contraction suddenly just settled down and there's this sense of peace and this sense of relief and this sort of contentment and peace. Here he came and all was well. That after the violence of the birth, there's this, this consolation. And that's how Jesus came too. I was thinking about this. God God doesn't overlook the violence and the messiness and the pain and the fear of our own human experience because Christ's birth, his human 
bloody, holy birth is a reminder that God comes right into the middle of our very human experience and hallows it for himself. He's right there in the middle of it. He comes to embrace us who are violent and messy and painful and fearful and broken. And he comes with this proclamation of peace, with this true consolation that comes after the birth of this child. He comes right into the thick of life. And he comes, he comes surprisingly sort of humbly also, right? I was thinking about this. If a bunch of, if a bunch of bright folks sort of gathered together and they said, let's drum up a religion that we, can th- we think it kind of changed the world. Let's make it up. See, how, see what we can do. The first thing you would not do is have some nonsense about a virgin birth. That's not where you would start. Because no one then, any more than now, would think of it as very credible. You wouldn't have been born in a small country under foreign occupation, in a backwoods town, into poverty, taking a nap in a feeding trough in a stable. No, if we were making this up, if we... If it was my idea, you know, we'd have him born into some politically activistic family, someone who could actually get something done. Or maybe a, a priest's, a very religious family, right? Get him in a good, proper upbringing. Or we'd bring him into wealth. Have him be born into wealth, into influence. And we'd be embarrassed by the strange miracles that we've heard tonight and the long, long prophecies that have gone on before. But you see, what's interesting is the scriptures are not embarrassed. And the writers know they're not making this stuff up. It's too counterintuitive to what you and I would write. No, they know they're relaying truth. This is how God comes to dwell with us, in the the ordinariness of human experience, and yet with the glory of and pronouncement of God's shalom, peace, salvation for all who believe. All that to say this, God's the God, folks, that comes to us and is present for us in the midst of our sometimes very ordinary lives. He isn't removed from the blood or the fear or the mess or the pain. He knows it. He isn't outside the struggle or even the birth pangs of life. He enters right into the thick of it. And so like the shepherds and the magi, we're invited tonight in our readings to journey to Bethlehem and wonder, to wonder at his human birth, but also for the first time in a way no one fully expected, to wonder that God would indeed come and make his dwelling among us in this way, through the child king, God with us, Emmanuel. And that word dwell, as John's gospel so beautifully reminds us, carries with it all these beautiful echoes and nuances of hospitality and genuine friendship and reconciliation as God's abiding presence comes from heaven and moves into the name. Dwell with us. So God coming has all this wonder and immediacy. Think of it like this. It's almost like 
the sudden unexpected realization of having your favorite relative suddenly come knocking at the door, and you're glad they've come, because this is someone that's it's always a good time when they show up, it's good. And so they've come to the door, and you realize, oh my goodness, nothing's prepared. And uh, so you bring them in, and you realize, though, that in their love and their grace towards you, all of your shortcomings start coming to light. And while you're eating supper together, they say something like this, I noticed uh, not all is well here, in your home or in your heart, and I'd like to stay a while if you'll let me. Let me into maybe some of those old, those old closets you've been keeping locked up, uh, but first pass the gravy, and, uh, and let's carry on with the supper. Uh, he comes to dwell with us, and there's a joy in his coming, but he comes to stay and transform our lives and our world, to, to save us from sin, but also to wash us clean and to set us on a new path in him. And he comes because he truly, actually, deeply loves you. And the most important question you can ask is, do you love him? Do you love him? After all the stuff said and done, all the work and all the education, the having kids, the having a family, getting the wealth, when it's all said and done, do you love him? See, John tells us that for all who receive him, who believe in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, born of God. So Christ's birth story truly actually becomes our birth story. He opens the way for us to become God's children, adopted, reborn again in him. Jesus comes so that you can know the life and light of God for yourself. He wants you to become his kid. And that means sort of new identity, new life, new birth. It means God has a place for you at the table. You're his kid. It means he wants you to, to have warm bed and clean clothes. You're his kid. He wants to look after you. He loves you. It means... As we enter into the life of God, this is not a stodgy list of, of rules to do or not to do. This is not a, a moralistic, therapeutic sort of book. This is the great story of God's love for you. To say it's just about the rules to live by is to, is to miss the person that loves you deeply. This is the one who, who has the fire burning in the hearth for you, and you come in, and there's music down the hall, and, and the Lord's filled the whole house with love and love. That's what he has for you. That's what he wants for you. John says at the end of his gospel, these things were written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Life. And that's the gospel, folks. That's what must permeate our imaginations even here tonight that all of us, no matter how good we think we are, our sin is terminal, like cancer. And unless we come to the one who has overcome sin and death by taking it upon himself and draining it of its power, 
we will not find life on our own. But he comes to give us life, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so to hear that God enters into the mess of our ordinary lives and to hear the invitation to new life that he has for us. Do you love him? Do you love him? means that God actually wants you to know his life and his love truly and deeply and wholly. It doesn't mean all the stuff of life is just going to wash away and not matter anymore. It doesn't mean there's still issues to deal with. But now Christ has come and made his home in you. And together you can face that stuff. You can face that stuff. It's okay. Because he loves you. This is why he comes. He comes right to the thick of it, right to the mess and the muddle, and he offers us new life. And I think that's what's so encouraging for me as I read the Gospels, is that the summons of Jesus is not, be perfect, but follow me. Learn from me. I'll show you what life is really like. And so imagine this. You get to be joined with God in this invitation of life, and love and wholeness. We can live for Jesus because he actually wants to take up his home in you. Because he actually loves you. And that means all the mess and the muddle, all the fear and the pain can get washed and cleared up and cleaned up as he fills us with his very spirit. That's why he's come. That's why he's come. And so friends, the invitation for us tonight is that we would see the wonder of his ordinary, yet extraordinary, very human, yet very holy birth. See the wonder of God's invitation for each and every one of us to receive his life. And to see the wonder of his salvation for you, that by his death he wants to undo the terminal cancer of sin in your own life and call you into new life. So whether you're here tonight and maybe you're questioning or maybe you think yourself unworthy of all of this, or you think, I'm pretty good, actually, all right. Christ has come for you, and he extends that invitation even tonight. Do you love him? He loves you. He's come for you because he loves you. He's come to give you the true life for which you most deeply in the through the recesses of your soul and down in your bones, long for and are looking for. He wants to adopt you. He's come to set the wrongs to right. By his grace and his forgiveness. And my prayer for you tonight is that you know him. Know him deeply. Follow him. Love him. Give yourself to him. Come to the manger. And come to the one come to live and die so that you can live in him. Let me pray for you. Lord, we thank you for this night. And we thank you for all that your incarnation means, that you would come into the brokenness of this world and into the brokenness of our lives because you love us this much. <coughs> that you would set aside your glory and come to the manger. That you would live a very human life. 
that you would teach and show us who God is, full of grace and truth. And Lord, by your death and resurrection, you would undo the power of sin and call us into salvation. Lord, we're so grateful. And Lord, I pray that you would help us to capture the depth and height and breadth of your love for us. Lord, the, 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 the hugeness of this, the greatness of it, that you call us into new, abundant life in you by your Spirit through the Son. Lord, may we capture that tonight and understand it. But more than understand it, Lord, help us to live it, to know the warmth and joy of your presence. And I pray, Lord, for each of us tonight. Some of us have been following you for years, know you well. But Lord, I pray that you would not uh, have us grow weary and well tonight. But Lord, you would light that fire in our bones again to follow you with a passion and honor. Lord, for those who are here tonight that don't know you, that may be on the way here tonight, friend, how much this one loves you. That he would come to die for you. Hear the love. Hear the hope he has for you as he invites you to become a new child of God. And Lord, I pray that as we head to other family gatherings tonight, uh, tomorrow morning, through this next week. That, Lord, in the hustle and bustle of our lives, we would not miss the truth and the hope and the glory of your coming. And, Lord, we would realize it's because of your great love for us and you call us still, even tonight, to follow you, to live for you to be filled with your love and filled with your spirit as we repent and turn from our sins. So Lord, we pray that you would come. Come again into our hearts. Come again into this broken and needy world. Uh, Lord, and call us to participate in that good work that you call us to. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen.